points. That's one of the main points of my book, I think, is that you really have to travel your own path as scary as it might seem, and there will yeah. be obstacles. But you want to know something? I think that the obstacles of trying to forge your own path are not as bad as the suffering from not living the life that's true to you. Jenna Mayo is a wife, mother, and a freelance writer. She studied English and creative writing in Emory, and then she went on to complete a joint degree in law and environmental studies from the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Over the years, she came to Israel. She learned at Neve Yerushalayim and Midrash Rachel Bechaya in Jerusalem, where she deemed it their Jewish learning. She recently got to publish her very first book, Princess Without a Crown, Returning to My Jewish Roots, which, by the way, guys, is amazing. I loved it. And she also hosts the Modern Jewish Girl podcast, and that's available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today, we're going to talk to Jenna about her journey and the Balshuva movement. Welcome to a new episode of Open Book with Eitan and Itai. I'm Eitan. And I'm Itai. What yeah, we have here? Yeah. You want to say? I'm, I'm Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm Jenna. Jenna. And we're so delighted to have you. We also have my very special wife, Me the sure. best wife in the world. <laughs> She's joining us, and we're going to talk about Jenna's new book, Princess Without a Crown, one of the, my much favorite books now. Thank so you. So delighted to read it. Uh, I just wanted to say, that as I was reading it, I was reminded that Eshet Chayel means a, a valorous woman, meaning a courageous woman. And throughout your book and your story, um, which hopefully we can hear a little bit about today without too much spoilers, so people okay. will still get the book. Okay. Um, just like your courage and and uh, a lot of people go through something similar. So the courage was just inspiring and uh, different times when you're talking about speaking to Hashem made me think, when's the last time did I speak to Hashem like that? Stuff like that. So it was very inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself for yeah. the readers that doesn't yeah. know you? Okay. So basically I grew up in the five towns. Um, whoever is not familiar, it's a very large Jewish community on Long Island, New York. And what's so crazy is that I saw religious people all the time, but I basically grew up in a totally secular Jewish bubble, even so much so that we actually grew up, we were in Woodmere Park, which is where like most of the religious people, a lot of religious people are. And it got so religious that my parents like freaked out and they were like, we're moving. <laughs> so we moved to the town over um, called Hewlett, which is still part of the five towns. It's not as known in the religious world, but um, I was like safe in my secular Jewish bubble there. So basically long story short, obviously, um, you know, I had a bat mitzvah. I went to reform temple we called it you know reform temple. shul but yeah temple but as they call it but um i wasn't i was just like judaism is so irrelevant you know it's so arbitrary it's so archaic like it, i had all these misconceptions and so i went off to college with that but i was a very like spiritual person so i i was kind of like searching and i remember people would ask me like are you jewish and i would answer i'm culturally jewish but like i'm spiritually other like i just didn't know and that just shows also like how disconnected i was from judaism that i i thought like judaism wasn't spiritual it's literally like the deepest <laughs> religion on the planet like all the answers to all of reality so um anyway that's like a little bit about my story but um yeah just a little background there also me personally just reading reading the book it was so emotional for me that I could only read like a chapter or two at a time. I'd be much crying at the end of every wow. chapter. And when I told that to my, <laughs> when I told that to my wife, she was like, what do you mean? I didn't cry. And I, said, <laughs> I said, well, you're not Baal Tshuva. Well, oh, so I just, I just, I, 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 no, not, it, you're the holiest woman I know, but I'm just saying, 
Mm-hmm. It, it just resonated with me so deeply and wow. you know things happening and also like I know how it ends because like I met you right so, right. <laughs> so like but just like it's just a happy journey even the struggles are they all of that I really connected to and wow. I think I think it's a, very important for a lot of people who are finding the religion and stuff to, to read a book like this and and know that they're not alone right yeah for sure yeah what my rub from LA he said like this book is, it's a book about a process of, you know, there's a process that goes on when you're kind of going down this path of becoming more observant Jewishly. And um, so, yeah, so I tried to document that process, basically. You did a great job. Thank you. (laughs) I tried. (laughs) This is going to do very well, this book. I mean, beautiful book. I mean, thank you. I want to ask. Yeah. uh, If it's okay to, I see you're reading the questions. That's the time for you to ask. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's always people that, do the journey and uh, make changes and then they write a book right but do you feel the writing a book is like looking outside on your journey or it's like the the highest point of your journey like this is part of your journey writing and seeing how you change and how you continued and totally right like it's the story doesn't end like it keeps going, you know, right. The story continues, you know, we were saying before, like we're still in suspense as to what's going to happen next. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I definitely felt like as much as I really wanted to tell this story really for people who are not religious to kind of understand like what happened, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a lot of, I have a lot of um, friends from home and family who just, they didn't understand like why what, I would choose what, this. What was your parents' path. reaction to the book? Yeah, my parents were my parents were very upset, <laughs> to put it mildly. In the beginning, they just felt very alienated. Neither of them came from religious homes. My grandparents didn't come from religious homes. Uh-huh. Maybe a little bit traditional, but I I have great grandparents who were assimilated Americans. So like really, very assimilated, and um so they were just completely alienated by it. They they by the book or by the like, process. No, no, well, by by the whole process of me becoming religious, and they uh they just took it almost as like a rejection of how they raised me. And yeah. I kept trying to tell them that it was like adding on to, to the good values they gave yeah. me and all the good things. But they were like, no, like the rabbis just told you to say that, which was partially <laughs> true. <laughs> but basically to answer, to answer your question. Yes. I, I view the book kind of, I wrote it for people to see why I became religious. Um, but I also had to do it for myself to, as like a cathartic thing to kind of process like what I went through. Cause it was so dramatic. It was a big shift. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for sure. It's, it's not, I hope it's not the high point. I hope that, <laughs> keeps know, going up from there. Yeah, is that the same? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what was it like in, in a few places in the book you mentioned uh, Rabbi Kiva Tetz reading yeah. his books uh, I think Letters to a Buddhist Jew was the first Jewish yes. book you read what What was it like when he gave an askama for your book it's pretty wild yeah <laughs> and how did that happen can you tell us about that yeah so um, basically Okay, when I went, I ended up going to law school at Penn, which I read about in the book, uh, University of Pennsylvania. And uh, when I was there, the one of the Kirov couples on campus, um, they were at the time the Lins. They're now he went on Rabbi Lin to start Mayor Manhattan, which is like a big Kirov huh. center on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, which is it's very cool. But at the time, thank God they were at Penn, and I feel like the whole reason I went to Penn was for this family because we became very close. I basically spent many Shabbosim and and Yom Tovim in their home. And they had a close kesher with Rabbi Tatz. So a lot of times Rabbi Tatz, they would bring him in to speak to the students. He would stay in their home. And so like I got I got to meet him on a couple of occasions. Wow. So he kind of vaguely knew me. And my husband also was very influenced by Rabbi Tatz. I feel like every Balch was very influenced <laughs> by Rabbi Tatz. But uh, we both were very influenced by him. So my husband joins one of his, uh, he has like a workshop with Jewish workshops where you can learn with him weekly. So my husband was in that for a while. So anyway, we had enough of a Kesher that I was able to reach out to him and, and uh, get a Haskama, which obviously was a big deal. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, it kind of, yeah. Thank you for your sacrifice because it's oh, it's yeah, not for sure. it's <laughs> no I'll, and to read it, it's just it's really it's really powerful. So thank, thank you so much. Wow. So, something that I'm I'm directly curious about, and I'm much hope it's okay to ask because I know you're still figuring out Israel and stuff like that. Yeah. You really started being like, from my understanding of the book, you like, hey, maybe this there's something to this Judaism thing when right. on, on a trip to Israel. Do you think that it was because you're in Israel and it's a spiritual place or because you're being around religious people or both? Or I th- It's interesting because at the time when I was on this trip, I was 19 years old. I basically had never done real Torah learning in my life. And you're supposed to do this like 10 week program. It's called, it's basically like you do this 10 week learning program and then you go on the trip. This is what they do, yeah. you know? So it, get, on these yeah. college campuses. Yeah. yeah. And you, they have the free sushi info session. Like, you know, <laughs> sushi is very appealing, whatever. So, um, it was a hush, major hushkacha process, but basically I had a friend who had gone on the trip and I had wanted to go on a birthright trip, which as you know, is not so religious. And yeah. I didn't get on the trip, which was bizarre. And my friend said, you really should go on this trip. But at this point this cure of trip, but it was very late in the semester. So basically the rabbi just took me last minute. So I had not even done like the in basic intro oh. classes. So I, I jumped in cold and like, I had no idea what to expect. And next thing I know there, they took the girls every day for three weeks to Neve for three hours a morning, which coming from like zero Torah learning was like shocking. Like <laughs> It was so much Torah learning. Um, so I think the Torah learning was like what initially sucked me in, but obviously we know like learning Torah in the land of Israel is extremely powerful and it's more potent. It's not like learning Torah outside of the land. And I definitely felt like I felt Hashem here, like very strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, even at that time when I, di- I didn't even know the word Hashem, but I felt, I really felt it. So I think for sure being in the land uh, had an influence. Yeah, we didn't we didn't welcome her to Israel. Thank you. Yeah, Israel. Thank you for welcoming. Yeah. Me, me and Yitai especially, we, we we I'm pretty unaffiliated, but I, I like really hope you stay. Like that's a political statement these days, but like every every Jew that's here is a huge thing, especially because people people as you know people get assimilated and yeah. stuff. So it's, it's it's the best safeguard. I, we definitely think. I mean, it's obvious. I think that it's the future of the Jewish people. Yeah, you know. So. Yeah, I hope we can stay. We came here <laughs> during the corona too. Huh? Yeah, we came during corona. Wow. Yeah, it was it was That's a bold crazy. move. <laughs> yeah, corona influence. Uh... Yeah, the corona did influence it. Yeah, huh. because basically what happened was, and I think a lot of people dealt with this. I mean, Nefesh Benefesh reported. I read that last May they saw like the biggest surge in um, applicants, like ever almost, of people wow. trying to come. And I feel like what happened with corona was people suddenly were forced to look at their lives. You know, it's very easy when you're running to your job and you're running here. It's like, okay, I have a purpose, you know, um, but then all of a sudden you can't go to your job. School's not open. You're stuck in your box in, in, you know, Kutzlar, <laughs> or at least we were, we were stuck in our apartment for months on end. And we're just like, what are we doing here? Like, let's just go sit in a box in Israel. <laughs> like, wow. It's better. Like, and, and we also knew like Israel was the type, like, the yeshivas would stay open, more or less. The gun, yeah. the ganim would open. The, the mirror's like, pretty open right now. Yeah, the mirror's pretty open. <laughs> but uh, I, I think, like, also in terms of us getting married, we also made the decision just to get married and not wait for the corona to die down because, like, we're, like, sitting in separate places. Oh, so you got places. married during corona. Yeah. Oh, wow, mazel tov, you like, guys are new. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're like, sitting in separate, ap- like, I was in yeshiva, she was in an apartment, and I'm like, this is costing both, both of us money. We don't have jobs. <laughs> right. Let's just not have jobs together, you know? <laughs> Exactly. It has to be practical. Yeah. But, and we got married and found jobs. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. great. I yeah. know. Bracha comes through. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. For sure. it, my, my rabbi in the States, and he lives in the States, Dafka. 
he he said, because I think there was questions either from her family or from me about money, and he said the bracha comes in Eretz Yisrael in different ways than money. Wow. So I thought that was pretty cool for someone who doesn't live in Israel to say. Wow. It was a big chizuk for me. And Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not easy. I feel like there's a lot of sacrifices that come with living here, um, at least for us. You know, like we don't have family here. And yeah. not only language. do we not... Yeah. Language. As you can tell, my my accent, I'm not, <laughs> I don't speak so much Hebrew. My husband's better, thank God. But um, yeah, it's it's challenging for sure. But I feel like it's also so powerful and so amazing at the same time. So yeah, everywhere is pros and cons. It's Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. I feel when I meet, we learned in Mahon Meir, and in Mahon Meir there are a lot about Shuvah Gerim. People, people from all over the world, Mamash. Oh, Every sense. Tribes what in kind Africa. Of, what kind, who started the yeshiva? Like it's Chabad or it's... No, uh, it's Tzunid uh, Tzunid. Very Zionist. Oh, okay, yeah. fine. Okay, fine. And every time I see someone that decided to make Aliyah, now my cousin is making, making Aliyah and going to the army. But we love all Jews also. <laughs> of course, of course. We love all Jews. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's special when you hear about someone that decided to come back. It's very special. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we felt a very strong pull. And what happened was, we actually, my husband and I met here six years ago. Like, basically, I had gone to law school. And then I felt, without giving too much away, I felt very strongly <laughs> like I need to get back to Israel. Basically, since the first trip, when I was 19 in 2009, I kept trying to come back to Israel. Like, <laughs> that was like what was going on. And like, it was always a fight. Like every trip was such a fight to get back. But uh, Baruch Hashem, I managed to do it basically like every other year. And then, um, and then after law school, I'm like, I need to go back. So I came back and I met my husband. I married it to meet my husband here. And um, we wanted to, you know, start our lives here. We wanted to right. do Shana Rishona here. And I write about this in the book. Like our families were like, so devastated because it's like we're well, gonna you go told them yeah. after the wedding so. and we, we yeah we should have probably discussed it with them before we <laughs> after and they were just very blindsided they didn't appreciate that also his family his family's more relaxed they're from california yeah. so <laughs> my family's from new york <laughs> but um anyway so we we you know we consulted Dastora, we consulted our rav and we decided we had to stay um for several reasons in america and so we put in our time it was five years and throughout yeah. the five years, we just, we were dreaming about Israel. It was, but it, honestly, uh, as the sure time went on, it felt more like a pipe dream. It really did. Yeah. It started to feel like something that just was never going to happen. And when Corona hit, I remember it was actually Pesach of last year. We were sitting at the table in our apartment alone. Uh, I looked at my husband. And I said, it's time. Uh, and and, and it's me time. You see, it's time, you know? Yeah. yeah. My, my father yeah. advised us. He said, you guys should go now. Because if you don't go now, it just gets harder. It does. That's yeah. the best advice. It's true. It's so really, really amazing. true. And yeah. just for me, like for me, I didn't consider my Aliyah as much as an accomplishment because I have family here. So like, oh, of wow. course I want to come here. But people like you and also Shifra, like they make Aliyah here with no family here. It's, and just that you were saying that you felt connected to Israel. So my connection was because of my family, but you're connected Mamash to the land and you're connected. I think you're connected to the land. Right. I know, land. but but you also have the family connection. Yeah, so it's just it's just a, such a holy thing. Thank you. So I want to ask you. So just to veer a little bit off course, I wanted to ask you, you know, in terms of getting to know the religion, getting to know some of the, hang on, wait a second, this, I thought this was so amazing. Why is this like this? Yeah. You know, because there's kind of like a, there's like a honeymoon period with the religion and totally. then you find out. Yeah. So just in terms of like something that's become more, uh, receiving more media coverage lately and more social media coverage, Agonauts, yeah. something mm. I wanted to ask you about. What? What what solution do you have to this problem from <laughs> from a legal perspective? Because wow. you, you know law school all that, so maybe you have like a unique perspective on it, and I'm uh, curious to hear. Yeah, I mean, 
I'll be honest, I don't know that much about this area from a legal perspective. Mm-hmm. I feel like I know there's there's a halakhic prenup that people can get to kind of protect the wife so that she's not in a situation, God forbid, where she's stuck yeah, without I, a get. Yeah, we, you know? we didn't get one. Yeah, we didn't get one either. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I just felt like, and this could this might sound naive, but I just felt like my husband really was my soulmate. And like, I just, he's a good guy. And I just can't imagine, God forbid, if there was, God forbid, like we ever were, you know, at that point, he would like refuse again. Like, yeah. I just, I can't even like envision. So for me, I didn't feel like it was so necessary. Um, but I definitely think it's a good idea <laughs> for for people to do um, in general. And uh, just to be safe, you know, women might as well protect themselves. Well, what does the halakhic prenup do exactly that, per, like? Um, I don't exactly know. I just know that it basically makes it so that the woman is protected in some way. I really don't what know. Is it? I they have they to, take I from have... his bank account money or something. So, Here in Israel, they can take money. So actually, I'm. I wanted to do it just because not not because I'm scared. Of we'll cut this I out. It's fine. <laughs> I, I trust them with, with my every being, but it's uh, just to make it more public, so right. that like more You're saying people, more uh, more regular, like, yeah, more right. normal, more acceptable. Yeah. More acceptable. Everyone does yeah. it. That, that's kind of where I right. I agree with it. that. That's very smart. Um, can we still get one? Sure yeah, yeah. Right. So you can get it after you're married. Yeah. Um, I think it makes it legally binding mm-hmm. that that. <laughs> It gives a stipulation for like a legally binding contract that if they if they don't do give you a get that you could actually take them to court, right. sue them, and get them in jail if they don't. I honestly like here in Israel, like if you if you like refuse a get, the Beitin starts taking a hundred dollars oh, from your bank account. Okay, every so day, I, then they, they send people to break the caps. I don't know. And that's if, really what I thought. I don't know if they can do it with uh, money, but they use a lot of social social media that I think it's uh, maybe it's one of the brachot. Okay, yeah, to put pressure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, th- heard, there was I've a story just morning. now this week that finished someone for 12 uh, years. Yeah. Didn't... It's very sad. Yeah, it's very sad. But uh, I'm, I don't know from a legal side. So... I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah. Sorry, well, she I don't have know. a good response. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was wonderful. Well, it's also about the discussion. But yeah. I, just, I really thought that they, they take money. No, they, they, they know, take money from his bank account. Because here, they're like, there's like not, there's like a bit of a twinning with religion and yeah, church and state. Right, so, right. Yeah, so like right. they, they can do it. Right. Yeah, I think it's important that it gets talked about. So one hundred percent, we're talking about it. It's definitely yeah. one of those things that when you hear, when I first heard about, it, I'm like, eek, you know, that yeah. sounds pretty old school, you yeah. know, yeah. like coming from coming from a modern um, American society. But um, you know, like I don't know, Hashem has his das, you know, Hashem. There's yeah. certain things we don't understand, we're not meant to understand, but it's nice that there are these kind of like modern inventions, like a halakhic prenup, where we can kind of like. Not like circumvent it, but kind of prevent the harm. Well, he gave us brands exactly, like, exactly right. for that. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. No, I want to continue. I want to continue your question because oh, yeah. I remember. Sorry about that. I'm not about you. No, it's okay. I'm not about you, but I remember the first year I went to learn a uh, Torah, and it's really unique. It's and afterwards, it's it's a little harder, as he said. You have like the honeymoon time. Yeah, it's very true. And uh, as a Balshuva. I guess I th- I know a lot of Baal Shuvah. It's not only from the the mind, like they're looking, learning. It's also feeling a lot, like you feel 100%. the connection and yeah. And what happened when you you see you get into something that you really disappoint for? Like yeah, I I, I didn't think that that could be in the right like, right. So how you can uh, how do I like move on with it and uh, understand it? You're asking like if when I learned something about Torah, the Torah way of life that is 
it just is very upsetting for me or very yeah. hard for yeah, me. For sure. Yeah. So I, and I write about this in the introduction to the book, like Rabbi Akiva Tatz talks about this whole, uh, process in life where it happens in love and it happens, you know, in, in light and dark. religion. Yeah. And at, like yeah. this initial like inspiration when the honeymoon phase, then like you kind of have that kind of gets taken away and then you have to like struggle and then you kind of have to earn the inspiration for yourself again. So I, I, I feel like that happens over and over again, <laughs> you know, like in our lives. That's for sure. Like, yeah. Which is that coming? Like, that's a show. You go forward, yeah, you go back, forward, you go back, exactly. yeah. forward and back, forward and back. But basically like, and, and also I had a teacher from Neve, Rabbi Daniel Katz, who, who said this quote and it always stuck with me, which is in the light, look for the truth. And in the dark, stay true to the light. So basically like when I have times of clarity where I'm feeling connected, I see Hashem's hand. I try to like hold on to it. I try to like remember it, you know, and I try to do what I can, whether it's like learning more or just like a good davening, whatever. And then when I have times where I'm feeling very disconnected, I don't see Hashem's hand. I'm struggling with the lifestyle, which, you know, can be challenging at times. Um, things like that, especially as we get ready for Pesach. Um, <laughs> yeah. But thanks for coming the oh, week you're before Pesach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. I don't have to clean right now. Um, but yeah, so as I as I have those challenging times, I, I basically just tell myself like Hashem's with you, like Hashem loves you, and and this is what you're meant to be doing, and it's and you're gonna see, you're gonna get back to a place of light, and Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Like I've been religious for almost ten years now, I always get back to a place of light. I'm not saying I'm running around like on a cloud inspired, <laughs> but like I I always feel like I get back to a place of connection eventually, even it, it could be months, you know. It's not, but I I try to just stick with basic davening and learning, and like those are the things that always help me feel connected. So. Mm. Yeah, I try to keep doing that even when I don't uh, feel like it necessarily. <laughs> Can you repeat the sentence? The yeah, yeah. The quote you said. In the light, look for the truth, and in the dark, stay true to the light. Which is yeah, it's always stuck with me. Yeah. yeah, it's very good. When I want sparring, where do I go? I go to Pomerantz Bookseller in Jerusalem. It's an amazing, magical, wonderful place. Fantastic. Every book you could ever want is there. And if it happens for some reason not to be there, they'll get it in for you. There's no problem. If you, you don't even know which book you want, that's also not a problem. They'll help you figure it out. Best service in Israel. Fantastic people. Great selection. Come down to Pomerantz Bookseller in Jerusalem or give them a call. They do delivery right to your door. Fantastic service. They can even drop ship sometimes to America. Their phone number is 02623. 5559. That's 02623-5559. You can also WhatsApp them or send them an email. So one thing I really liked in your book is that you mentioned uh, thinking about what kind of life you want to have. You know, you were at a crossroads and you realized you want to have a, the life uh, your rabbi and his wife had and also the life that your parents had. Or meaning what was important to your parents, right. you know, family and stuff like right. that. I felt much the same way. We see that. And you also mentioned something else. You mentioned that in the past, everyone dressed modestly. Yeah. So like also marriage was like, oh, you do a thing. And right. you see all these things coming down. Do you think, and I'm really curious about this because those things are important. Like the religion is important, but independent of the religion, it's important for a society to have marriage, to have kids, to have all these things. These are, these are moral things. So do you think that, religion's a necessary component of that and without it it'll erode or do you think it can continue wow that's a big question yeah. um i don't know if I, I'm like, if I, I don't know what uh credibility i have to i don't know how much weight my answer will hold but basically yeah i i think that a society without god i don't see how the morality can stick 
And I, and we're seeing that today in America. I mean, that's part of why we came because wow. what's going on in America is this a society that started as a country that for freedom of religion. I mean, that's how it started. It was a religious country. Okay. Everyone was free to practice their own religion, but it was a religious country. Mm-hmm. And now religions like mocked, you know, it's a totally secular country. I mean, well, there it's are a religious bit of a problem people, here but... too, like in the media and yeah. stuff a little bit. It makes sense. Yeah. The mainstream, like li- the mainstream uh-huh. liberal, you know, mentality is very secular and, right. um, you're just seeing like the decline in morality, the decline in families. Um, like people are getting married later, people are not getting married at all. People are having less kids, and and we know that like if, with the decline of the family, that's like a sign of the the decline of the society. So I think it's actually right. very scary. It's like the it's because like it's yeah. the microcosm of the right. society as a whole. It's a very good See point. some communities that have problems with marriage, with uh, single parent homes and stuff. So that leads into other problems right. as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So no, I think for sure. Uh, belief in God and and is like the foundation for a moral society, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think that for having a moral society, you need to believe that a world is good. Yeah, and wow. and it's I think I think a lot of uh, what we said, less children, less people get married. Yeah. It's because they see the world. Maybe it's they unconscious, the but they don't want to bring children to this world. And when you 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 have a belief, you see things from a different perspective. Even take Judaism outside. Every religion or believing in something bigger than you and trying to understand differently what you see, it's it's optimistic. Right. You, see, you don't see it because it's really hard to stay optimistic, especially you know we we have the corona. We need like to get a lot yeah, of as much as a lot of chizuk. And I feel wherever you see people want to make make life bigger. More children, marriage, yeah. a good. Not it's more, a good sign. Not more yeah. wives. Not more one wives. Wife. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good sign. That's a good, very very good sign for uh, optimistic and uh, loving life. Yeah, which is interest, yeah. interesting because from like the scholarly perspective, the the way they rate the developing world is how, how few children do you right. have. Like they say in right. Africa, they have four plus, and yeah. in America, they have between one and two. So it's yeah. more developed. Yeah, and then. There's Jews and I guess Muslims and Christians who are like, uh, okay, like you, you hold on to that. You know, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do what we're gonna do. Yeah. Uh, w- what advice do you have? You know, there's probably, especially in America, hundreds of people in college, you know, who are getting into this Judaism stuff and being like, what am I gonna tell my parents? You know, my parents did everything to keep me away from this. Yeah. Uh, what advice do you have for people going through that? Oof. And this, this is not only, this is what this episode's for. It's yeah. not only Judaism. It's yeah. everything that you want to do and it's different from the way your exactly. parents want, exactly. want you to go. Yes. For sure. Very good. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so that's better. definitely one of the main... No, it's both points. That's one of the main points of my book, I think, is that you really have to travel your own path as scary as it might seem and there will yeah. be obstacles. But you want to know something, I think that the obstacles of trying to forge your own path are not as bad as the suffering from not living the life that's true to you, that you're going to have to endure by living a life that's not authentic. So I just couldn't deal with that anymore. And I had, you know, as painful as it was, it all, there's also like a sense of like rebirth or like growth that comes. That's very satisfying through that painful process. Um, but an advice that I would give is it's very important to have a good, good mentor. Um, very important. 
sure. people who are grounded, people who know you well, people who are good role models who can really guide you. Um, that they were like my rocks. I mean, my it's role priceless. models were yeah, it's priceless. Like I, I wouldn't have been able to do it alone. I literally had like a whole support system of people who were mm-hmm. helping me, um, uh, through those difficult times when I felt just like very alienated from my family, and it was very hard because I'm very close to my family. So like feeling like I didn't have their support and. I needed, I needed other support, you know? So like for sure having mentors is very good. And then also surrounding yourself with the right people, like friends wise, I think it's obviously easier if you're with people who are on a similar path, a similar Derek, who are also growth oriented, you know, that that's important too. So. What was it? It's something I found that when I was becoming religious is that slowly, slowly uh, my non-religious or non-Jewish friends kind of just, they fall off. Yeah. They fall. And like, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't me, you know? You yeah, you just have so, to be who you are, and and if people did, did you feel some did you experience yeah something similar? I, yeah I definitely lost friends I mean but yeah. it's like how good friend of good friends were they you know what I'm saying like because like this is who I am so if if you don't want to stick around like it just wasn't we weren't meant to be friends and I also feel like people are meant to come into your life for certain periods of time not everyone's meant to stay in your life forever you know and like that was a hard realization for me um like I I you know I for lost forever. some friendships that were very dear to me but I wouldn't Sorry. say that meaning the ones that were really like special, I held on to them and we made it work even through everything. Till now. Till now. I'm saying I have, I have um, a few friends from high school home, so nothing ever changed throughout the entire thing. They were with me, supported me. Did anyone else become religious? Um, I never, no, I haven't influenced any of my close friends to become religious. And that was something I never was trying to do. You know, I'm not trying to like proselytize to them or anything like Mm -hmm. that. I just try to set a good example, honestly. Um, but, but I wrote about this in the book. Like, it's funny, like people have a lot of cognitive dissonance. Like, I feel like a lot of my friends who are secular are Jewish, like they look at me and they're like, wow, that's amazing. It's so interesting. But like, it has nothing to do with me. You know, oh, yeah. I'm like, you were outside day too, but like, I'm not going to tell them that, yeah. you know, I'm not going to put them on the spot like that. I think people, I get it. There's a lot of resistance to becoming religious and especially it's they, they it's didn't have, it's hard. Yeah. And listen, I think it's harder to live a secular life without the dust Torah and the tools and all of that. That's I, I really hold by that, but um, they didn't have the opportunities that I had. They weren't in the classes that I was in. They just they don't get it. You know what I'm saying? They I don't. Who knows what they would have done had they been well, on that who, trip? Who knows what ancestor you had praying that's for true. you? That is true. You know that's why we have to pray for yeah. everyone. That's true. Uh, yeah. You know the funny thing is I I hear both of you. Um, I when I went to college, that's when I made the majority of my friends, most of which were not religious. They went to Chabad events with me. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, and I'm still friends with them. I don't talk to them that often. I don't right. talk to much people that often. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to say that. <laughs> but, yeah. but when I do, it's, it's just seamless. And they still, they, when I switched over from my English name, Shannon to Shifra, yeah. they also switched it with me. Like they didn't wow. resist. I was in a sorority also, a Jewish sorority yeah. at SAE Pi. And they, the whole sorority were like, okay, you're Shifra, you're Shifra. That's it. Wow. Like, so I just—it's amazing. I'm sorry that you guys had to go through. No, I mean I think it's painful, but ultimately, like you, right? Like your true friends stick around, and and you also make an effort to keep up the friendships that you know are important to you. You know, even if you have less common grounds or whatever it is. But what was your question? I wanted to ask and mention, I had I had friends uh, in the Tirunut, non-religious people that I asked him like straightly, uh, how can you live live a life without believing? It's like, yeah. isn't it so hard and tough? And and he told me like it's, it's the hardest thing wow. ever. Like you go every weekend, drink, try not to think about it. 
And, and no, really. <laughs> I, and, I know it's like, true. It's, it's questions it's very that, honest to it's, say that. It's questions that people have, right? And and they don't have a way to to confront it. But and I wanted to ask, people from outside can look about someone that is about Shuva and say, oh, now he has more laws and yeah. his, his life will be harder. Yeah. And. I know what the answer, but I think yeah. people need to, to hear, to hear yeah. you saying it. Yeah. Did it make your life better? Yeah. Happier? I think, I think ultimately, like I always say this constriction actually leads to more, to more freedom. And it's funny because we're talking about this now with Pesach, you know, like we, we were taken out of yeah. Egypt to be slaves to, <laughs> to serve Hashem. I don't want to say slaves to serve Hashem, <laughs> you know, like we were t taken from one bondage to another bondage, but a much better bondage where, um, I do believe that the Torah lifestyle provides so much fulfillment that I just wouldn't have if I didn't have it. You know, yes, it's a lot of work and sacrifice and, and restrictions that are sometimes not convenient. You know, I'm not in the mood, but there's something to be said for doing things when you're not in the mood. And it creates yeah, like a creates real connection. A real, yeah. a real spirituality of consistency that, you know, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to like do yoga and meditate when I feel like it, you know, yeah. it's, it's serious. Um, and it's not always easy, but yeah, I believe it's, it's for sure brings a lot of happiness and joy and fulfillment and nachas. And, um, like I said, you know, the secular lifestyle, it might be more freedom, quote unquote, but I see a lot of people just enslaved to their desires, you know, yeah. and they don't have the tools. They don't have das Torah. Like my husband and I look at people we know who are married and we're like, you don't have like a rub that you can go to. Like, like what do you guys Without do? Without a rub, I wouldn't like, still be married. Yeah, like I'm saying, like, who do you, like, you don't have a rub, you don't have das Torah. Like, how do you have any, like, how do you guys like have shalom bias? How do you guys know what to do when you have a disagreement? It's, it's so like it's so much like I like I think about like either non-Jews or or Jews who who do, like just especially men because I think men really have no clue, and then like <laughs> you, you, then comes rabbis and are like you got to listen to her, you got to do yeah. what she wants, and it's like oh I gotta listen to her, and, do <laughs> and it's like what, what all these poor souls without that I mama know. like I it, just yeah. listen. I've, yeah, Das Torah is a huge thing. It's a big part of our tradition for a reason, you know, seeking advice from a Rav that you both know and trust. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, we would, let's just put it this way. We wouldn't be here in Israel right now if we didn't have that. So. Right. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it leads to a, to a happy life. Um, difficult, but happy. Difficult at times, but happy. A meaningful life. Meaningful. Exactly. That really is mm -hmm. what it is. Meaningful life. When when yeah. everything in your whole life is uh, given to you by rules, like right. from putting your shoes on to washing your hands and everything in between, you you kind of get the opportunity to like use that structure to explore other areas of your life, like your your perspective or yeah. experiences, and not worry so much about all these little minutia that's already set up for you. Right. Well, I think it's nice. I think the word. The key word is opportunity. They're all opportunities to connect to Hashem and to kind of like align ourselves. Um, I read recently, like the mitzvot, a lot of them were trying to align our body with, you know, the spiritual reality in the world. So it's pretty amazing when you think about, I know it's hard to connect on that level day to day maybe, but right. it is pretty amazing what we're, what we're doing. So. Yeah. Shifra, Shifra mentioned it. I think it's really, really right. Like when you go and tie your shoe, you can just tie your shoe and say, right. oh, Hashem wants me to do it yeah. in this way. It's unbelievable. And Hashem, like, he wants, he thinks. And he what cares I, how he you cares. tie your yeah. shoe. Like, it's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Like Hashem cares. Yeah. 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 It's really, yep. it's a lot of power. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, bro, for sure. So in the beginning of your book, you 
uh, give us a quote from Rebbitz and Youngrace about smelling the fumes of pre-Hitler Europe. Yeah. What what does that quote mean for you? So it's pretty scary. Um, What's crazy is, okay, she passed away in August 2016, Rebbitz and Youngrace, and she was a Holocaust survivor. And I felt a a very big Kesher with her and her teachings. And so I remember right when I heard she passed away, I went on her website. She started an organization called Hineni, like a Jewish outreach education Mm -hmm. organization. And she she would blog on it, you know, write articles. And I wanted to see the last thing she had written. Like, so I went on and, and that, Quote was taken from that article that was the last thing she had written and it was so like s- spooky because to hear from a holocaust survivor like i i smell the fumes of pre-hitler europe i mean no one wants to hear that <laughs> as a jew you know like it's very disturbing but yeah. what was crazy was that she said and I, I it's not the anti-semitic people that i fear it's our own people because we don't know who we are and that that really just it's it sticks out to me so much it's obviously a huge part of the book that yeah. i call it princess without a crown like we're, we're children of the king, you know, like we're, we're supposed to be a holy nation. And, and unfortunately a lot of people are, even religious people are very disconnected. Even me, you know, like you get into life day to day, you're, you become disconnected from that reality and how we're meant to live and carry ourselves as, as a holy nation. So we have an opportunity now with Khonomoy to Malash. Like, yeah, Take exactly. the time to reconnect. You have, yeah. I have army. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> the army is also, it's, totally it's, it's hard to stay connected in the army. You know, you think, oh, I'm in the army. I'm fighting for the, for the land. But it's, you know, it's another day and another right. day. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like yeah. that. Well, I want to thank you for uh, uh, yeah. that. No, really. No for protecting Israel, defending democracy. It's it's unbelievable. It's called the vote. Thank so, you. Yeah. Throughout but, your yeah. book, this is going to be my last question. Okay. Throughout your book, I felt, you know, like, go on this journey with you. And there's these times where you don't have, you just feel purposelessness. Yeah. You're in the wrong place. You're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be there. And it's, it's much heartbreaking. How do you feel now? Now that I'm at this point, I can look back and clearly see like, okay, I had to be in those places. You know, I had to go down to Mitzrayim or whatever, <laughs> you know, come back up to the Holy Land. But uh, yeah, like it was really hard, especially when I, I wanted to stay at Neve, um after college and I had to go back and I did, I started law school in Philadelphia and it was just like, dang, like this is so far from where I want to be in my heart. Yeah. But um, I remember, and I have this in the book, my rabbi at the time said to me, like, if this is where you are, this is where you're meant to be. And and so, like, at that point, I was able to embrace it more. And, and, and he's like, you should be great wherever you are with whatever you're doing. Not just like, oh, I'll be great when I get to the next, you know, the thing I really want to do, or I'll be great when I get to the next chapter. Like, no, like, just do whatever, you're, wherever you are right now, just give it your all. So, like, once he told me that and gave me that chazuk, I was able to kind of really focus and get the most out of being there. Um. And it was a wonderful experience in a lot of ways. It was painful. It was difficult, but it was also wonderful. I gained a lot of skills and, and I grew a lot. It was, it was very good for me in, in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, I did what I had to do. And uh, looking back, I can see kind of how all the pieces fell into place. But obviously, it's hard when you're in it. You can't see the full picture. So. It's hard, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that empathy. And when you're in the dark, you need to take the light with you. Yeah. yeah. Take the stay true truth. to the light. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So for all our listeners... You guys should definitely buy this book. This is <laughs> maybe my favorite book I've read this year. If you want to read it, and you should, give a call to 02-623-5559. That's 02-623-5559. Listeners of the show will get 15% off on the book. Buy it now.